Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be going through all the action from the middle weekend of the Six Nations as Ireland kept their Grand Slam dream alive and we'll be joined by Exeter and England stars Henry Slade and Jack Knoll. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus. View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. How are we, lads? I'm tired. Brookers. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, you've been in France. I have, and same as Andrew, I'm tired. We're in the middle of it, aren't we? Like, this is the hardest bit. I am not going to complain. I can't say it's hard. This is not hard at all. Just long. I was in Paris, got back around one in the morning, let's say three in the morning, because that sounds like it was worse, but it was definitely one in the morning. It was the morning when I got in, and then because I haven't seen the kids for a long time, I'm up at seven o'clock uh, brushing hair. That's a lion for your kids, isn't it? Yeah, that is a lion, yeah. Yeah, so... I was awake since five, let's just say four, so I had about three hours sleep. But yeah, I was up this morning, back to reality, up there goes gravity, and brushing hair, trying to find socks, trying to put shoes on, they're on the wrong feet, but it's dad's fault. Back to normality, and I'm happy in normality and reality, but no, I was in Paris, brilliant, as we know, brilliant place, the World Cup's there, and we'll get into the games and stuff like that, but yeah, I felt very lucky. Uh, to do a bit for ITV yesterday in what is a very busy period. I mean, we were in Cardiff last week, weren't we, Goody? It's like I was in London, Cardiff, with Ross Moriarty, eh, Goody? That that kind of triggered the, you say energy, but energy leads to lack of energy, doesn't it? Because Goody was out till four of them. He weren't out till (laughs) four in the morning. No, I wasn't. He was walking the streets of Cardiff at half one, trying to see where was busy, but... For whatever reason, it was a ghost town, was it? It was quiet, yeah. So obviously we had a really enjoyable live show. I thought Ross Moriarty was great, especially after he had about four Guinness. Guinness Ross Moriarty was good, wasn't he? He was. He was unleashing hell on a few things. But yeah, it was yeah great to be down in Cardiff again. And then we go back. I'm thinking Mill Lane. Everywhere's going to be absolutely rammed in gold. It's the Thursday night before England come to town on the Saturday. But no, we went back. We had a few drinks in the hotel and we had a look around. It was quiet. So I went for a... Jim went to bed. I went for a wander around town trying to find a bar to have a go at. And there was nothing. So I got a kebab and went back to the hotel for a few more beers on my own. Picked the kids up from school on Friday. And then Saturday I was had the privilege of working with Charles Tirrett, which was good fun, in Covent Garden. Although there was about four million Newcastle fans taking over Covent Garden and 
Trafalgar Square and just singing football songs when I'm I'm like, lads, I'm trying to do some recording here. So, uh, you're good, mate. Very good weekend. I looked at my diary this morning. I thought, oh, this will be a quiet week. There's no Six Nations game this week. Oh, no. I'm up in Grimsby tomorrow. I'm up in Hambo's dinner, which I can't wait for, actually, in London on Wednesday. And then back up to Leicester for the game against Bath this weekend. So, it's non-stop, lads. And back up to Belfast on Wednesday the 8th for another live show. Oh, are we? Can't wait. <laughs> Mate, I've got two nights in Belfast. So I've got a dinner there on the Thursday as well with Stevie Ferris. I can't wait to drink with Stevie Ferris again. Yeah, how good is he going to be on the live show? Yeah, he's great, isn't he? He was voice noting me. He was in Italy at the weekend, obviously for the Ireland game. And he was voice noting me and he was I could hear he was out. And I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm in an Irish bar. I said, what in Rome? Who goes to an Irish bar in Rome? They'll remember that's generally where we go to an Irish bar in Rome. So cultured. But yeah, he looked like he was having or sounded like he was having a good time. And you can get tickets to that event on Eventbrite or our website, therugbypod.com. Jim, you mentioned you were in France, mate. There must have been epic being sidelined for that game. Yes, it was. I was going to give a negative answer that you don't get a bird's eye view of the game and be able to take in everything that's happening on the pitch. That's the truth. But from an energy point of view, it was amazing do you have a little screen to watch or not yeah you have a little screen but it's kind of it it can all be a little bit overwhelming because like you sat there basically in the dugout because well i'm used to sat in the dugout but like sat there with the the subs of scotland which was obviously quite nice right next to me and they're standing up constantly warming up so they get a good perspective of the game but it is quite difficult there and you've obviously got to be on because you're on mainstream tv yeah so i had to go back and watch the game but from a an energy point of view and all the drama and the hysteria that we'll go through. Yeah, it was an unbelievable day. Sunday game, Sunday afternoon, packed out Stade de France, two brilliant teams that want to play great rugby. And it was a game that had absolutely everything. So yeah, like not had huge amount of time to digest it because I mentioned I got back late last night, but what a game, what a game. And Scotland going 19-0 down, I think I said it before half time. How'd you come back from that? And maybe that's me being scarred from years gone by. This is a completely different team. And I probably should have remembered that. But the feeling was that it could have been a 35, 40 pointer when we went down to 14 men. And then even when they went down to 14 men and we went 19 nil down. I'm going to rewind a little bit because I I watched your pre-match stuff with Bafes and I thought you were brilliant. And then you go back to the studio and you listen to Johnny Wilkinson. I can't understand a word he's saying because he's talking about energy and ups and downs and all this stuff. I thought you were great, but then you did get a bit negative, James, didn't you? When I got home yesterday evening and watched the game and it went down to 14 men, you were like, it's going to be a long day at the office. It's going to be a tough afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean, Andrew. Scarred. Mate, how wrong were you? Very wrong. And I'm happy and I wanted to be wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong. So all that, and this is the thing, right? When you're on TV, Goody, as you know, like you have to be yourself. And for me, I wear my emotion on my sleeve and in my voice, as in that's what I do. So I'd rather just say how I feel yeah. and what it is. And if I'm wrong, like I was yesterday, I'm happy to be wrong. I'm fully accepting of that. And I, I like the fact that I was wrong, but it was just it's just a different Scotland team, isn't it? And I think you have to remember that. Had I watched it live, I'd have tweeted when Gilchrist got sent off, you were... 19-0 down. I'd have tweeted, this is going to be 50. Keep it under 50, Jim. But because I wasn't watching it live, I obviously didn't tweet that. And thank God I didn't, because how good was Scotland coming back 
Obviously, the red card to Mohamed Awas uh, was... How's that? I mean... Literally, how's that? <laughs> Shaking his head. Ludicrous. Did you tell him as he's jogged off, mate, what you're on about, you mount? I'm very fragile at the minute, so no, I didn't <laughs> want to say that. But the way that France scored their tries as well, how easy they scored them yeah. was what made me think that. But you think back to the first two games, Scotland haven't played amazing in the first half, that game against Wales, and the second half they turn it on. Again, you go back to Finn Russell, the intercept pass to Ramos, and you're thinking, oh, we're not playing that well. We're quite narrow in defence. We're getting done physically when they get close to the line. The intercept pass, and then you go into that second half, and it's the Finn Russell show. It's not, I mean, obviously we scored in the first half as well with a short line to Hugh Jones, but forward pass. we grew into the game. Yeah, it was a forward pass. I went back and looked at it. I didn't pick that up pitch side. I went back and watched the highlights. Definitely a forward pass, but hey, if you want to go into the archives of some of the referees at the weekend, <laughs> I don't want to under my new guys of role, but my goodness me, you know, Grant Gilchrist should never have been red carded. He should have, he should have, I'm joking, he should have been red carded before anyone comes back at me and just cuts that bit. Do you look at this game as a missed opportunity for Scotland? No, because I don't really think we deserve to win that game. We gave ourselves really? an opportunity to. We had a line out with the new front row on 75 minutes around halfway and that was our opportunity. Unmarked throw, there was a miscommunication between Fraser Brown and Sam Skinner. We went to throw at the front and we didn't nail it and it was that. I was just like, yeah, as in away in Paris, they're the small bits of detail and there's a load of other stuff but that one moment you get one opportunity to go on and win that game. You bring yourselves back to 25 points to 21. You get an opportunity on halfway. We've seen how good Scotland are in attack. Hugh Jones was on fire. Sione Tuopolotto I thought was brilliant again. On that line out, Jim, and there's a couple, I'm just going to say it, I feel horrible. Finn's kick wasn't great, was it? Mm, no. Should have got deeper, which would have put France under more pressure and potentially made it an easier line-out because they'd have had to stay down. Well, you say easier line-out, the front was unmarked. Mate, why aren't you in the coaching booth as well? You could have done pitch side. I'm tier two media. And No, you're tier one now, mate. You are tier one, my friend. Potentially, potentially. But yeah, that was it, really, with the one opportunity that we had. Just saw a bit of pressure on France. Like, again, the feeling, not necessarily watching it on TV, the feeling was as they were feeling the pressure, which from a Scotland point of view is brilliant going into the World Cup and the games that we've got. We know that we've got Ireland, we've got Ireland next in the Six Nations, but Ireland, South Africa. But you could just feel there was a little bit of pressure on France for whatever reason, the weight of the championship, the fact that they're at home, the World Cup. I don't really know what it was, but all credit to Scotland. I know we didn't win. I'm not devastated by it. Am I pleased? Yeah, I'm pleased with the way that we played. Second team versus fifth team. That was the difference on paper that actually materialised on the pitch. But loads of drama and we can maybe go through that as well. well. I just want to look at Finn Russell's performance as well because producer Rob has sent through some stats to me. Second most points in the comp, most try assists, most conversions, most carries in the comp and the most offloads. He must be rating as one of the best, if not the best 10 running around at the moment. Yeah, he is. He is, and uh, it wasn't just him. I thought Hugh Jones was outstanding as well, running off him. Finn's a class player. You know, people have used the term Maverick before. I've been guilty of using the Maverick term, and I look at some of his game, and it is Maverick-like, but he is educated himself, and he, he works exceptionally hard off the field at looking at opportunities and how to manipulate defences, and that's why he's doing this in attack. So he spends, from what you hear, he spends hours sort of watching footage and 
you know, he, he'll know Gael Ficu inside out. He'll know how the French defend because it's very similar to how a lot of the club teams defend in France as well. He showed the inside ball, didn't he? He made the break. You know, you see Flamont just going back on the inside because he's pumped the ball to the outside, dummied inside, and he's gone straight through. He is world-class, Finn Russell. There's no no two ways about it. He is a phenomenal player. And the frustrating thing is I'm watching that, and I was desperate for Scotland to win, even though I'm beginning this match point predictor. I predicted France by 10, I think, in the end. But watching that game, it was enthralling. Scotland had so many opportunities, but... That top tier of international rugby is about taking those one or two opportunities, isn't it? And the difference was, as Jim said, that line out that went awry, which could have gotten the win. Conversely, France can score at the end off a bit of power from a similar line out position, don't they? And it's interesting, isn't it? Because you don't want that plucky loser kind of tag. But as the French said, that was the best Scotland team that's ever come across to, to Paris. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, Ireland go up to Scotland next week. That's a tougher game for Ireland than England in the last one. The Grand Slam decided potentially for them. So you could see Scotland performing and putting Ireland under a lot of heat and potentially beating Ireland in a couple of weeks' time because, because of their performances. This Scotland team are a proper team now. Obviously, Gilchrist is going to get banned. I don't know who will come in in the second row, Jim, for him. Obviously, Johnny Gray will start. But you then look at depth. When their first team is out there, and you feel sorry for Hamish Watson because obviously he got hooked off, but they're a damn good team. And the unfortunate thing for Scotland is the madness of the World Cup draw when it was three years ago, because they've got Ireland and South Africa. But if you draw in the World Cup now, they're, what are you in the world, fourth or fifth in the world right now? Fifth. Yeah, so they're a proper team. And it's interesting, I saw Gregor's interview, and we've gone from Finn Russell to talking about the whole Scotland situation to now Gregor. Gregor's come out and said, well, Scotland haven't offered me a contract yet. They're in the best position they've ever been in Scotland. And how the SRU haven't extended his contract yet, I've got no idea because everything is looking great for Scotland moving forward in terms of the players, the way they're playing, the understanding, the relationships, everything that Greg has created. I think it needs to continue, but watch this space as to what happens. You've seen teams before, contract coaches on long deals, and then they go to the World Cup and it's a disaster. And then they end up having to pay them off off the back of it. We know that there's a huge movement of coaches internationally after the World Cup. So I can kind of understand that. And we've gone through the archives of why we should keep Gregor, how I've changed my mind. I think Philly is the right man. If it's not him, then who? Just on the Finn Russell question and the best 10 in the Six Nations, he absolutely is. If you go through who's playing at the minute... Uh, Sexton's pretty good. He didn't play against Italy, did he? No. So we're going based on every single week. Faz is struggling a little bit off the boot. Jally Bear off the bench looks very good, which means Intermac isn't maybe playing as well as he has done. Garbisi came back uh, in place of Tommy Allen. So... Dan Bigger gets dropped for Owen Williams. So in terms of is Finn Russell the best fly half in the Six Nations? Absolutely, hands down, not even close. You mentioned the second row, Grant Gilchrist gets banned. Johnny Gray, I think, was brilliant when he came on. You've got Scott Cummins, who's back fit. You've got Sam Skinner, who can slip into that role. We have got players to come into them positions. Where we are really struggling is below that. It isn't like England. You look at Ireland's team that they fielded against Italy and the and potential players that they've got strength and depth-wise. France exactly the same. That is where we're struggling. We've got another level of players, but underneath that, there ain't much else. So, yeah, bring on Ireland. Here we go. How are you guys feeling going into that Ireland game? Nervous. There's a tattoo on the line there there? with F-bomb Mac. So I'm pretty nervous now, Like especially when I'm tired, I'm vulnerable, I'm questioning whether Scotland can win the Triple Crown. And at the end of it all, I'll be getting a Big Mac tattoo with a K, thankfully. So... Yeah, we've obviously got a down week. 
and we'll regroup around that game. But I am confident, as, as I've ever been, the fact that the game's at home. Ireland have got a few injuries. There was chinks in the armoury against Italy. So I am confident, not really confident, but confident. But as we build towards that, there's a couple of weeks... I, uh, you sound like you need a spoon, Jim. A spoon for what? What kind of spoon? Just a spoon, a hug, like a spoon in bed. Oh, sorry. I'm at, yeah, I'm not a spoon, man. <laughs> You're not? I'm not a spoon. No, no. It's more like one one high, one low, <laughs> one on top, one... Yeah, I'm not a spoon, man. <laughs> Let's look at what happened in Cardiff. Are you guys surprised at the way Wales turned up after a pretty, pretty tough week? You can never judge it, can you? Emotionally, so I'm there in Cardiff on Thursday, and I'm thinking emotionally the deal's done, the strike's off, the stadium's going to be bouncing, the players are going to be absolutely rolled up and ready to go, and that could work massively in Wales's favour. And then you see that first half where England played an attacking brand that we haven't seen for a while. We played at pace, the rock speed was great, we were winning collisions. Obviously, we scored a, a wonderful try with Anthony Watson in the corner off a first phase move that we haven't seen any of that yet really in the Six Nations. So Wales came to the party and I thought there'd be a lot more from that Welsh team. I really did. England were in control, I think, in the first half. Looked really good. Probably should have been way more points ahead, which effectively nullified the stadium. But I thought England played well. What I will say about Wales, and I feel pretty bad saying this, the way they play, the way Gats coaches, the game's moved on. You go back to the Lions in 2021, how we set up that Lions team to try and play against Africa, the way Wales are playing, what he did with the Chiefs in Waikato. Gats has got to evolve because the one-out rugby and the kicking that Wales showed, it was awful. As a performance, when you're expecting a massive reaction, I was really disappointed with how Wales turned up and how they played. You know, Their attack, they just kept running short balls off nine with no movement no deception, then they're just kicking to Freddie Stewart the whole time. So England tactically and physically monstered them at times. And it wasn't a great game. Let's not dress it up to be an amazing occasion or anything like that. It was a hard-nosed rugby with two teams that are low on confidence, potentially learning about new ways to play or understanding coaches better than they have done previously. And there was a lot of pressure on both teams, but I was really disappointed with Wales, thinking that there was going to be loads of energy coming into the game and what they put out there. And I look at Gats and go, that's how he sets his teams up. He's got to evolve as a coach because if that's what he's going to do, he hasn't got the players. He's not South Africa, so he hasn't got the players to play that way. And therefore, effectively, he needs to evolve as a coach or is he the right man to take Wales forward? I don't know. As poor as Wales were, England were a lot better at times and should have won that game way more comfortably than we did. On Wales, I actually feel a little bit for Gats. He's walked into an absolute shitstorm, which he said... He didn't know. I think he would have known about some parts of it. But from his point of view, the romantic in me wishes that he didn't come back because his legacy and he's got the gate and stuff at the stadium. And it's the whole Alex Ferguson thing, isn't it? You walked away and it's he's the greatest. Like, oh, come back, Gats. And he always says no. I wish that was what happened because what you don't want to do is his legacy to be tarnished by what is happening now because ultimately he's in the middle of it. Whether or not he stays as head coach or he goes to director of rugby, there's rumours of him going upstairs. It is an absolute mess in Wales. And I know we got the game and watching the anthems, you're thinking, yeah, like this is going to be amazing. The drama in the lead up to the game added to the occasion. 
God, I feel bad saying this, but it's true. Two poor teams up against each other, and you saw, <laughs> and you saw, you saw that you know you could see the gulf between Ireland and France. And look, I'm going to say it: the way that Scotland's attack is, if you're going solely on attack, a lot mm. of teams are good defenders now. It's much of a muchness, really. A lot of it is around attitude and positioning. Like Ireland looked not the same with Bundyaki at 13, so personnel and positioning, but the attack. From everything you're seeing, if you go back to the New Zealand of old, their counter-attack, the way that their forwards used to carry and be, be able to ball play, Ireland are probably leading the charge in that now. Scotland as well, and we went through the archives and the fact of some of the tries that they've scored in the wider channels. England and Wales, very limited. And I do wonder with England whether or not it's a confidence thing. When I look at Wales, you've got, oh, I sound like a right knob saying it, an ageing team with not a lot coming through. And then you've got Joe Hawkins and Mason Grady at 13, but partnership we've not seen. So that's going to take time to evolve. You've got Lee Halfpenny, who's 45. He's not. I still like Lee Halfpenny, but if not Lee Halfpenny, then who? You've got Liam Williams, but he's not young coming through. I just worry for Wales. I really do. They bring Falatau back in. He was dropped. He was on the bench. Played really well when he came on against Scotland. Looked good at the weekend. Tipperick was out the squad. We were all talking about Jack Morgan in the lead-up. Alan Wynne-Jones is 52. And as much as we love Alan Wynne-Jones, you've got to say it, haven't you? Like he's... Oli Chasm completely, completely wiped the floor with him at the weekend. So from a Gatlin standpoint, I understand what you're saying, Goody, but it's like he has inherited this now. And maybe it's partly his fault. Was that his job before to do that? I don't think it is, but... Well, I think as a head coach... Maybe it was. Tactically, when you're just running your boys off nine into brick walls all day and nothing changes throughout the game you are responsible. You set a team up to play and yeah, you've got to play to the players that you've got. So Alan Wynne jones isn't going to be running off nine and monstering people, is he? Because that's not him anymore. You want Chunza doing that, maybe Falatau, but you also need to build in deception around how they're playing. It was so easy for England to defend that at times. And yes, England won the, the battle of the breakdown and to all England fans, you are bloody welcome because Matthew Ray now, and you mentioned referees earlier, Matthew Raynaud was very kind, very kind to us English, wasn't he? And I texted him actually on Thursday night to see if he was keen for a beer because he was in Cardiff. And he said, no, Andy, I am tired. I watch my uh, games for prepare Saturday. And he prepared for Saturday and he gave us some interesting penalties, shall we say. The classic one was Don Brandt when his hands were on the floor and his head was on the floor near England's try line when he gives the turnover. He was kind to England, um, but we did win the battle of the breakdown. The game is won these days on physicality, the game line and the breakdown. When you look at how many rocks there are in the game, that is the fulcrum of how a team plays. If you can't win quick ball from a breakdown, if you can't win a breakdown, you ain't winning the game of rugby. England dominated that area. Some big performances. Ludlam was great. But to, to go back to Gatland, when your team is just playing the same way and they're plodding around the field, just playing off nine at a, a slow pace with no deception, you talk about it, look at the shapes that Scotland, France, Ireland put on an attack. They've got layer upon layer upon layer. And England were the same at times, but Wales just looked average. And that is, he's got to, you've got to hold the coach accountable to that because he's coaching them how to play. And they've got the talent in there to play off second receiver, to play balls out the back. But it just, it was meat and drink to the England defence, wasn't it? There's been a lot of chat about, I guess rightly so, considering his stats. Owen Farrell, people are jumping on him pretty quickly with his kicking percentages, aren't they? He's not great off the tee at the minute, is he, Andrew? No, he's not. Out with that, I think he's playing well. Yeah. Um, do you know what? People are moaning about, oh, Marcus Smith should have come on, all this stuff. The way the game was, it would have taken a ballsy call to take 
Owen Farrell off and bring Marcus Smith on to completely change the game. And yes, that's what England fans potentially wanted to see. But I thought during the game, Owen Farrell played pretty well. His goal kicking, listen, he's a world-class goal kicker. You, you can't question his ability over his career as a goal kicker. He was 33% at the weekend. I think he was he's 56% or something over the Six Nations, which isn't great. So you then have to question, does he deserve his place in the team if he's the sole goal kicker? If there was someone else in that back line that could kick goals, you'd have expected that to swap over during the game. But Borthas has backed himself into a corner by making Faz captain because it potentially makes Owen Farrell undroppable. Normally, his kicking's the strength of his game and the attacking side of it is perhaps not a strength. But I thought the weekend, it was the other way around. His goal kicking was poor, but the way he managed the game and the way he controlled field position and setting up how England played against a poor Wales team, I think he played pretty well. Alex Mitchell looked good at nine. When he came on, yeah, he did. Rapid, yeah, he did. I thought Jack Van Portfleet played really well, though. To be honest, there's always going to be the odd error here or there from players, but yeah, Mitchell looked good when he came on against the Tyrone Welsh team. I thought Ludlam was great. Freddie Stewart, man of the match. Ollie Lawrence, unbelievable again. Double roll, man. How many double rolls he allowed in the I game? Know. Well, that try for Anthony Watson, you saw Matthew Ray now put his hand to his mouth as if he was going to blow the whistle, and he went, "No, I'm goodies, mate." So I'll just play on. Uh, and we scored a try in the corner. So, yeah, you're right. You play to the ref, don't you? You get away with it. You know, there was the occasion when Maratoji in the rock just came in from the side, dived over it. England get the penalty for holding on because the Welsh boys couldn't clean him out because Mara did. But you play to the referee. Another day, England might get pinged off the park, but because it was Machu right now, he's my friend. I stuck up for him when he went uh, hard against the Aussies. We got what we deserved. Were you surprised that those three England subs came on with just seconds to go? No, and I've been there. I don't know about you, Jim, but I've been there where the one that always sticks with me, Andy Robinson was the head coach of England, absolute cowboy. We are playing Italy away. We are winning by 40 points, and I was the only fucker on the bench that didn't get on. I was raging after the game, not even for a second. And I've been, I reckon I've been there 10 times where I've been on the bench for England and not come on. So I'd have had 10 more caps. So the game was won. You, you empty the bench, you give them a cap. They're not going to do anything because there's only a minute left, but it just makes them feel part of it. Because I've been sat in the changing room where boys have had a win and a comfortable win and you've not got on and your kit's clean. I was at the, this pub on, on Saturday and, and some blokes turned around to me and said, oh, you know, do they get paid the same if they get on or if they don't get on? I said, yeah, they get paid the same whether they're on the field or not. So it wasn't anything to do with that, but... He wanted them just to get on the field to experience something. I don't have a problem with it. We can have a chat now with the man who was out there on the field in Cardiff and another who will be hoping to pull on an England jersey again very soon. Exeter and England's Henry Slade and Jack Noll join us. How are you, lads? Good, thanks. Cheers for having us. Been better. <laughs> Been better. Uh, Jack, great honesty. I love that. Let's start with you, mate. Your nose looks like it's across your face. You've got a baby. Congratulations, by the way. Um, you, you say congratulations at the start, and then you actually feel sorry for people with more than <laughs> one child. Why is your nose across your face? Let's start with that. Uh, yeah, big Yanis Kasten threw in a, a nice South African headbutt for me in the game yesterday. So it's, it's straight. I think I don't know if it's straight. They try straighten it after the game. It's not me. straight. No, it's I can tell it's not <laughs> straight. No, not good, mate. They try straighten it as much as they could for um, after the game, but. They did their best, yeah. Black eye, and I've obviously getting the rewards for it this morning. Your teeth didn't get messed up, though, so they're all right, are they? No, they're all right, mate. They're all right. Turkey teeth. How are you, Slady? Good to see you, mate. Great win at the weekend. Obviously, um, an interesting atmosphere before the game. What was it like? Obviously, the build-up, knowing or not knowing the game was going to be on. How did you boys prepare for it? Obviously, you never want to 
put that bit of doubt in your mind sub- subconsciously. So like we just treated it like it was always going to be on. I uh, didn't realise until actually chatting to a few boys afterwards how genuinely close it wasn't to being on, um, which has obviously been worrying times for those boys. And we're, we're glad they they sort of came to an agreement where where the game went ahead. And we wish wish them them all the best of all that going forward because it's not obviously not nice to see any any players going through that. But um, yeah, glad it was put on. Unbelievable atmosphere. Millennium or Prince Planet now, as it's called. What a place to play. Yeah, great to get the win. Jim and I were down there on Thursday night for a live show in Cardiff and it seemed quite quiet as a city, but as I was leaving Friday to come back, it was starting to get busier and busier. I've played there when the atmosphere is just electric. Was there much more emotion in the stadium at the weekend? Because it didn't seem like there was, or was it just with the game where England were so dominant at times? Yeah, I mean, it's always nuts. It's always nuts in the Principality. I mean, last time we were there was COVID, so it wasn't quite as nuts. But the time before that, I think it was like it's been four years since I really tasted what it was like, and I, I can't remember if it was better or worse. Do you know what I mean? I think it was still unbelievable atmosphere when they were on the front foot, when they when they scored any sort of points, got any momentum, the crowd goes wild. So uh, we did all we could to stop that, especially early doors. And yeah, it's, it's a great place for rugby. The crowd's so close to you. Uh, I think that's what makes it the best. Like, you feel like you're only five meters away from the crowd when you're on the touchline, and I think that's why it's so good. Yeah, Jack, did you watch it? Are you at that stage yet? I mean, I know you had a game and stuff, but with the emotional aspect of not being in the squad at the minute. Did I watch it? When was it? Saturday? Yeah, I did. I did. I, I had it on. I, I had it on in the background. <laughs> How was it watching it? It was right, too fair, mate. Like, I know what's going through the boys' heads. You know, I've obviously seen that side of, of training and, uh, and what they're thinking and, and what they're trying to do in the game as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's never a, a nice place to go and play because, like you said, the... The emotion's always there, and especially this week, I'm sure those boys would have been revved, revved right up after they knew they were going to play. So, um, yeah, I think it was a good, it was a good game. Like any any trip down there for an international team to go down there and win is is obviously a big win. So, um, yeah, fair play to the lads for, uh, for for getting it. You didn't answer the question though, Nolsey. Tough watch. Do you know what? Um, I in times before I'd say yeah, it was tough. Like there's there's been times where I've been injured where I've and not being able to go into camp and stuff, and that's they are the toughest times to watch. But where I'm kind of at at the moment is I, I I didn't really feel that. I thought it was actually quite nice to watch to to see the boys doing well, to see them win, especially if I've got three kids running around here in the house now. Um, so I, I my, my mind was on a lot, a lot of other things. But the fact that I'm, you know, I'm kind of I'm, I'm happy the fact that I'm in Exeter. I get to stay here with the club. We have a real big drive this year to try and go and win stuff. You know, we're in all three competitions still. And you do, like Slady would agree, once you go away with Six Nations and stuff and then you come back, you, you do very much fill out the loop of your club. Lots changed in the seven, eight weeks that you've been away during a Six Nations tournament. So for me, the fact that I actually get the, my head down, I get to you know stay with the lads, I get to really help drive the team, go forward in, in, you know, in the Premiership and the Heineken Cup now is, is, is something that I'm, I'm sticking to and something that I enjoy doing. And, and obviously you've had conversations with Borthers around what it's going to take to get back in the squad. No. But you haven't at all. Uh-huh. Oh, no. No, mate. I spoke to Wolfers once, mate. Uh, I spoke to He spoke to me when, you know, obviously he said when the team was coming out. I think we were in South Africa, Slady. We, got, we had a call at the same time, didn't we? And he said that he wants his wingers carrying and getting his hands on the ball, their hands on the ball. And I was like, yep, yeah, cool. And then I had the phone call when I was out in South Africa. And he, and he said that the other boys are, you know, getting their hands on the ball a bit more than I am at the moment, which is... You know, it's, it's fine. It's like like we spoke about a few weeks ago, lads. You know, it's, at the end of the day, it's a coach's decision. Um, you can't be everyone's cup of tea. But yeah, for me, like it's not as if he's telling me every week that I need to go and work on something. I need to go work on my kick chase. I need to go work on my tackling. 
sometimes with you know, no communications is pretty good for me because I get to focus on just just what Exeter need and what, what I can do for Exeter. Good man. Quick question then, Slady. I'm, I'm going to bring you into this because you put that kick through and I actually tweeted, just, it's a three on two, just give it. You would never have done that at a club. Jack, would you have gone nuts at him if you were outside and he put that kick through? What would you have done? I would have gone mental. Sorry, Slady, I had to say it. Oh, I would have gone nuts. Obviously, if they scored and I was on the end of it, I would have been very happy. Which I've, been, <laughs> I've, been on, I've been on the end of them a few times for him, so I've been happy with him. But uh, I don't know. I know sometimes when you, I don't know, I don't know what they speak about during the week, you know, territory or, or pinning them in the 22, but that probably played into your mind, Slady, which... Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even the one in Scotland a few years ago and that, that draw we had at Twickenham, the one where you passed... That was a dummy, mate. I'm going to kick yeah, it. Yeah, you, you were going to kick it before you passed it to me and I scored and I was, went, I was going mentally. You were like lying up to kick it. I was like, no! Dummy yeah, kick. Bring him up. Pass you. <laughs> well, let's blame someone else. Was it was it Freddie Stewart not talking outside you? Let's blame Freddie Stewart or something. Talking, but to be fair, you can't hear anything because it's so, it's so loud there. Like, you can't hear much. I did hear him, but as I was kicking it, <laughs> I, I looked to the right and I watched it back and it's even worse. Yeah, I love that, Slady. A great honesty between you lads. There seems to be, and again, I was in Paris, so I've only watched the game superficially in a bar and stuff, but there seems to be a lot of kicking. There seems to be not a huge amount of confidence in the attack. Is that something that is maybe one of the last things to come because you have to be so risky? I don't know if it's a, I don't think it's a lack of confidence. I think it's a bit of the way... Where we we knew that Wales were going to be playing, we know they they kick a lot, exit out of out of their half, and and sort of they probably wanted us to run. We got a few jackal threats in their team. They want us to run and them to to feed off that really. So we we sort of spoke about not giving them that, and it's just frustrating. A few times we we got into good positions, but then coughed up the ball or coughed up a turnover or, or something where we were actually set to go, and we sort of didn't really get a chance to unlock our attack that much, but. I don't think it's a lack of confidence. I think we're definitely talking talking on and off the pitch well about what we want to do. Everyone's on the same page. It's just, yeah, haven't quite hasn't quite happened. I don't know how to put my finger on it. Mate. Yeah, well, that first half was was really good in terms of the energy, the pace that we played out, the mo- movement of the ball, etc. You're building a, a decent relationship now with Ollie Lawrence, who's come in over the last two games and played, I think, really well. Obviously, scores a try towards the death as well. But how's that relationship building? Because he's a lovely bloke as well, and he's some player this season, isn't he? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's been going well actually. I was just saying to someone the other day that I think the first time he came to camp, he was obviously pretty young. He's still young, but he was proper young, and, and he's and he's been away, and he's and he's worked harder than Premiership, and he's on fire this year. And I think the the confidence he's come back in with now has put him in real good stead because he, he he's got absolute belief in what he's doing, and rightly so because he's playing bloody well. My weaknesses are sort of his strengths and the other the other way around really. So. We work quite well as, as a pair, I suppose. You can chop and change depending on what, you, what you're trying to do in an attack and a, and a defence. So, yeah, going going really well. Get on with him real well off the pitch as well. So, yes, um, it's, it's, it's been good. Really enjoyed it. It's quite interesting from a fan's perspective on how you guys deal with mistakes. How important is that, like that you have that banter between you guys and like calling each other out when you had an opportunity to score but you, you go and kick it? I think it is important. I think, you know, don't get me wrong. We all know each other. We don't go out there to try and make, well, to make a mistake on purpose or, you know, it's obviously what you do at that moment is what you think is the best, the best thing to do. So at the time, you know, during the game, during uh, training, you know, tempers can be quite high. Like, for example, if Sadie's kick there, I'm sure I would have been going mental outside him. <laughs> but I think the, the important thing is that, um, you know, after we can laugh about it like this, you know, because at the end of the day, Slady thought that was a good thing. You know, it, it could have it could have turned into a try, and it would have been the best thing in the world. 
and everyone would be going mental about it on Twitter and stuff like that. But you know, it it, it can change very very quickly. So um, yeah, I think you know you just got to remember sometimes that we are doing the best we can do to to, to win that game in that in that situation. If if you start sort of dithering and and thinking about too much about what you're trying to do, you, you sort of you miss the opportunity entirely. I think. Whatever you decide to do, you commit fully to it. And if it's the wrong decision, it's the wrong decision. I think, obviously, hindsight is a massive thing and you can replay clips over and over again and see, oh, what if you did that and pause it here? What if you did this? But, like, reality of it is you got that. you got a split second to do it. And like, like Jack's saying, like, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But, obviously, we're always aiming for it to go right more than that. All honesty, though, I would have been probably gone to the touchline asking Borthos to take Slady off of that stage. <laughs> <laughs> Slady on that was I bet Faz was shouting at you though wasn't he like I, have you told him that hindsight is a great thing Faz or not or you just let him just shout at you give him a wink give him a wink mate yeah that's what I tried to do that's what I had the red mess with him hey you were his, you were his captain though so remember that yeah, I was his vice-captain. He didn't see me as his captain. <laughs> Talking about the Exeter then, obviously there's a lot of love between you boys and we see it on the field. It seemed to be right back at it yesterday against Sale. The celebrations after you scoring tries, the face rubs, the arse slaps, the you go for the front bottom as well and, and, and get involved with that stuff. Uh, how much fun is it down there at the minute? And obviously it is a pivotal season. We're seeing loads of players leave. Uh, Jack, there's obviously news about yourself as well at some point coming out. How is it down there? Because there's a lot of change going on, right? Yeah, I think it's uh, an exciting change, but I think it's going to be quite a sad change at the same time. You know, it's not hit a lot of boys yet. The fact that, you know, the boys that are going at the moment is, you know, debuters, Cowan Dickey, Sam Simmons, Harry Williams, boys like this, you know, they're, especially for myself and Slady with Dickey and Big Dave, we've played together since we were, you know, 18 and we've been at the club now for, you know, over 10 years playing with each other. It seems pretty surreal that next season we're not going to be doing we're not going to be doing this. And I don't, and like I said, I don't think it's hit many of the boys yet. And I don't think it's certainly hit the lads that are leaving, but it's driving us this season now to, to go on and win stuff. I think that feeling of winning a Heineken and winning, winning premierships together is there's, there's no better feeling in the world. You know, it's awesome, you know, doing it for your country and winning six nations and stuff, but you have a different feeling when you do it with some of the boys that you've grown up with since you were kids. So we know that we'll probably ne- we'll, we'll, we never will get these chances again now. So uh, yeah, that's what's really driving us, boys. You know, not just for the older lads leaving, but you know some of the younger lads as well. You know, some of them have you know have been speaking up during the week in meetings and stuff, saying look, we want to drive, we want to go on and win stuff like this because obviously you boys are off. We want to do it for you lads, and you can see that. You know, the way Josh Hodge played last you know, over the last few weeks, but the way he played yesterday, especially. You know, some of the so Greg Fistler, some of the younger boys are really standing up. You know, we've got the Welshies as well in our back row that are, you know, are, are pretty decent as well. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of emotions going into this year and we know how much is riding it and we know how much, how close the Premiership is. And, you know, the fact we're in these positions now where we can go on and uh, and hopefully win some stuff is, is is a big one that we want to try and push for. Slady, is there an element of guilt or not? Because Jack told us when he was at the live show with a... Jack Daniels from Red Bull that you've taken all the budget so I just didn't really <laughs> talk to you about any of this I was, I was miles I was just daydreaming I was, yeah just, thinking about his cash that's what he's doing <laughs> I was just looking to see how, how it looked um, <laughs> sorry say it again do you feel a bit guilty or not about taking all the cash no <laughs> straight face as well I'm not even bothered I think like what Jack was just saying I was listening at the start are you prick about uh <laughs> About how it hasn't really hit hit boys yet. I think it definitely hasn't hit me. Sort of how big the change is going to be next year. We've been together playing for so long. Although we know people are off and people are leaving, it's sort of because they're still here. It doesn't quite feel like it. And I think 
when it comes to the end of the season, everyone's doing their speeches, leaving, and, and it gets all emotional. I think then it'll be like, shit, actually, actually they are off, and it is going to be much a much different place next year. A lot of big characters, a lot of big names, a lot of big players off. Obviously, hopefully we can fill that with, with some new new guys coming in and some new new talent and some young boys coming through, but never quite be the same as, as these boys that we've sort of had so many good memories with, gone through so much, highs, lows, a lot of pain, a lot of joy. Yeah, it'll be sad to see him go. How is the England environment at the minute then? Obviously, new coaches, Nick Evans is in there as well as a new attack coach. We know Richard Wiggles was coming in the season. You talk about different environments. What's the, an environment like under Steve Borthwick compared to Eddie Jones? It's been really good. The level of detail and the clarity we've all got is, has gone through the roof. You know, exactly what's, what's asked of us. It's, it's been a real sort of breath of fresh air, really. Um, obviously, any, any new coach coming in is is going to be a bit of a change. Obviously, the whole coaching staff pretty much has, has changed. So there's been a lot to take in. I think the first couple of weeks was tough in terms of getting all the new information on board and trying to implement it all. But I think we're starting to get get used to it now and, and move forward well. Uh, I think we've shown a bit of progression each week. But I've been, yeah, I've been really impressed with all the guys, all the coaches that have come in. Can't speak hardly enough. That's class, mate. And we've got you both on here. Obviously, a bit of banter fueled, and we've gone through the archives, which leads us to the testimonial year. Should we get into a little bit around that? What's happening? Well, I know me and Goody are coming down to Exeter. I don't don't know when Goody's my PA. He'll sort it out, but for the big event that's happening down there. But no, it's great. Brilliant. I, we're, we're pumped to be involved, but can you just give us a snapshot? Jack, maybe just start with you of how it's all come around and what's in the pipeline. Yeah, so we um, obviously have been granted a testimonial at the club, which we're both very lucky to to have had. And yeah, it was just something we wanted to do, obviously, to, to celebrate our times playing together. We, we had a chance to do it separately, but we thought it'd be a good idea to, to do it together, considering we started at the same time. So yeah, we've just got a few events in, in Exeter, a couple of meals, a couple at Sandy Park. Uh, we've obviously got a big Red Bull Sevens type tournament going on at Sandy Park towards the end of the year. But then, yeah, we've obviously got you guys down to to take over Sandy Park for a night for us, uh, which should be uh, a good laugh. Obviously, I'll be drinking. I don't know if Slady will because he's not very good on the on the booze. <laughs> All this press, you've been saying, I don't drink, I don't drink my body. Now you're drinking, are you? <laughs> no, l- l- listen, last year I didn't drink. Ages. Last year I didn't drink. The summer I drunk. And then... I haven't drunk again this season, so it could be the first time I have a couple. You never know. There we go. Henry, any response to that? Have you got any banter on Jack that you want to abuse him about? Oh, I've got banter on Slady. The last time I drunk with Slady, right, he told us to go to this club where everyone's at. We first get there, there was no one there. There was four of us in this booth. In Exeter? Yeah, in Exeter. Four of us in the booth. So I'm like, oh, great. Anyway, he's steaming. He then starts fighting Ian Whitten for two hours. He then obviously gets too hot, sits on his hands and knees. Hey, fighting's a bad word. It was wrestling, wasn't it? Oh, wrestling, yeah. <laughs> Worth fighting. Both you sweating. And then he was sitting all over the floor. And then me and Big Dave Ewers then were trying to clean it up for about, an, about half an hour. And then he decided to turn around and then kick the jug over, which all the sick was in. <laughs> and we were like, right, that's it. And then, and then you spear tackled Dave Ewers and he broke a rib on the table. <laughs> All I'm hearing, lads, that's what rich people do. That's like, as in, they're just there's an entitlement around the money men. Jack says this, right? So that's the last time I drank with him. That is the best part of a year ago. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Well, it was a long time ago. <laughs> All I want to know is, what club is this? Me and Goody are coming down. We're coming in hot now. I don't know if you've sold it. But <laughs> sick, fighting. 
rolling around. Have you come up with a split or what? I mean, is there charities involved or is it straight going in the, the skyrocket of Slady? What's the, <laughs> give us some more kind of context of, of what's happening because I know there is kind of more to it. You've underplayed it, which I understand there's a humility. Slady, maybe give us your take on the testimonial. What, just the, just the cash, is it? Uh, <laughs> no, not the cash, the, the, the experience. You've earned it. Yeah, well, very similar to Jack, to be honest. Like, same sort of reasons we're getting into it. We both started our, our journey at Chiefs together, both been here a long time, and both sort of decided this is this is the best way to do it. A good opportunity to to have some fun. And um, we're, um, we're supporting the Exeter Foundation. Obviously, a lot of charities around the, the local Devon area, so we'll, we'll raise a, hopefully raise a fair bit of money for that along the way, having a good time. You guys come down, we'll have a good piss up. Should be fun. And we'll get some sick buckets for you, mate. <laughs> I ain't cleaning it, I ain't cleaning it out there. Jet, you're probably going to have a few big nights out because uh, you're playing for the Barbars. Going to be playing with some um, pretty high quality players against the World 15, aren't you? Oh, obviously, if we don't get into the Prem final, yeah, we've got the Barbars game on a Sunday. And obviously, Big Eddie Jones is, is leading up from the front, isn't he? Oh, nice. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one. Obviously, I know the lads that have, have played for the Barbars, but I've never, ever played for them. So, you know, I've only ever heard, you know, amazing stuff about what they do during the week and, and obviously the the game. I've played against them a few times. You know, obviously I played in the summer before we went down to Australia and I spoke to George Cruz and stuff like that because that was his last game. But yeah, it's an unbelievable experience, they all say. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. You'd rather extra in the final though, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> I, I, you never know. I could, you know, hopefully play on a Saturday, a few beers on a Saturday night, and then see, see how I get on, maybe play on a Sunday as well. <laughs> Double up. Well, you're not with your body, mate. <laughs> what are you on about, mate? I'm new and improved, mate. I'm like a 23 year old running around out there now. Can I just jump in before you go? Because you're talking about bodies and stuff like that. And as you know, I'm good friends with Stuart Hogg, and we've got to be careful here because he's told me off for calling him the Mickey Rourke of rugby. I'm feeling. There's this hybrid between a Henry Slade and Jack Noel look. That's kind of when I see him and a Gavin Henson with the fake tan. We don't want to get stuck into him because we know he's taking a bit of heat online. But can you just let us know? Slade, let's start with you. Not that you're the better looking out of the two. That's whoa, to, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Potentially today. Look at that nose, mate. He is today. Yeah, at the moment, I would say. But I'm, I'm probably about an eight now and I'm normally I'm a ten, okay? So... <laughs> So what um, Slady, what Hoggy said to me is you can't polish a turd, but you can sprinkle glitter on it or fake tan. He's wearing fake tan at the minute, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. <laughs> straight out, straight out. Hair, teeth, fake tan, the lot. Is he, is he getting pelters from you boys at training or is it just play on? You know, fair play to him. He he did it at the start, but he, he doesn't care. He's just like, he's just like, look, hey, what, what does he always say? He goes, look good, play good. Yeah. And that's what he, he that's, that's his reply every time. Look that's good. the mantra. And, and now it's just Hoggy, isn't it? Like, that, that's Hoggy. Like, no one really cares. It? So, Saturday morning when he turns up at the club, he's going to have, he's going to have a tan. That's just, that's just part of it now, but he, he embraces it. Hey, he looks a million dollars compared to how he used to look anyway, so <laughs> fair play to him. It's cost him a million pounds, but it's all right. <laughs> it was always going to be a lot. It's an investment. <laughs> All right, Laird. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck for your testimonials. Cheers. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers for having us. Thanks, lads. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. 
Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Top lads. Top lads. Both of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, poor old Jack Nile. What a nose now. His own teammate has splattered that across his face. And that must be sore. When you've got three kids, a new baby, and your nose is all the way across your face, you must be in absolute pain. But no, good to have them on. Good boys. Uh, I've always enjoyed watching those lads at Exeter. They look like they have a lot of fun. And I can't wait to get down there for their testimonial event. Big Jim and Goody coming down to Exeter Chief Chief Chiefs to help out with Slady and Knowles' testimonial. It's going to be good fun. End of an era. End of an era. End of a dynasty. It's I don't know what's going on at Exeter. Obviously, we're not going to know as much as we know maybe about other stuff, but something's definitely happened in there, isn't it? You think about the legends that are leaving. Wait, it's a change of guard. That's what happens. I think maybe because we've been big fans of Exeter, I played a lot against them lads as well, that group of lads that we've gone through, like Luke Cowan, Dickie, Jack Noel, Slady, they've just come on. And it's strange to see them go, but that's what happens. It's a professional sport, isn't it? But yeah, like I said, just what you said, Goody, I can't wait to get down there. Good bunch of lads, great rugby city, and I don't know whether I'm put off or excited by Slady projectile vomiting and all the lads <laughs> slipping in their sick. But after a few ciders, which are gluten-free, I reckon. I don't know if they're gluten-free in Exeter. Um, I could be on my hands and knees mopping it up. 100%. And I'll tell you what is interesting. There's a fair few of them going to Montpellier. I heard a rumour that a fair few of them are trying to get out their deals now because uh, Cockers is going to Montpellier. But I'll just say that's a rumour. <laughs> I'll just say that's a rumour. It's not true. And you can watch Jack play when the Barbarians take on the World 15 at Twickenham for the Kellett Cup on the 28th of May. Guaranteed attacking rugby full of tries from two quality teams, jam-packed with stars like Aaron Cruden, Semi Rodraja, Lamarpi, Kurabidi, Nick Phipps, Johnny May, and lots more tickets are from 25 quid for adults and 15 quid for kids at ticketmaster.co.uk forward slash barbarians. We saw Andy Farrell gave Ross Byrne and Craig Casey the first Six Nations start. So what do you think he would have learned from them? That they're good players and that Bundyaki's not a 13. I don't know why I brought Bundyaki into why that. Why are you being horrible? Well, defensively, he wasn't. I think they had big issues in the defensive line, didn't they? I'm a big fan of Craig Casey. Really, really good player. Murray actually looked good when he came on as well, to be fair. A little snipe round to set the try up. But yeah, we know that I think Ross Byrne has now cemented his place as 10. It was a difficult game to analyse because Ireland were a bit bitty, weren't they? And Italy, I thought, were very, very good. They stretched Ireland. I can't even remember the last time Ireland was stretched like that defensively. And I think, again, Goody, you'll probably know more than me, Ring Rose, how important he is, not just as a leader, but as a defending 13. But yeah, I thought Casey and Ross Byrne, they look, they look decent. We keep talking about Sexton, Tyke Furlon. It was good to see Finley Bealham get another run. Mentioned Ring Rose having a look at Bundyaki at 13. Like, it must be awesome to be Andy Farrell to be, have all these players to choose from and to be able to mix and match. I think that injuries for Andy Farrell, 
in a vulgar kind of way, a positive, not for the players, but looking through the players that they've got to be able to operate the highest level, which is the Six Nations. They've got the luxury of doing that. Obviously, Finley Bealham, your holiday mate, brilliant to see him playing so well, unfortunate with an injury, but who's next? And it's the question you kind of mentioned with Scotland. But Ireland, they weren't quite unplayable at the weekend. If they play like that against Scotland, it could be the triple crown coming to Edinburgh. How good does that sound? I don't want to get too carried away. I don't want to fuel the fire. And friend of the show, old Big Mac, played very well on the wing as well. And I like James Lowe. What about Mac Hansen dropping the F-bomb in the interview? Fuck, I mean, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, bl- oh, love pardon, him. pardon, 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 fuck. Love him. <laughs> what about the interviewer after? Oh, I just want to apologise. He already apologised. You don't need to say it again. He's already apologised for it. Like, what? Fuck, no, Make pardon. Fuck, fuck, pardon, fuck. <laughs> Where have you guys now seen vulnerabilities in the Irish team that maybe you didn't see before the weekend? It shows how important Ring Rose is because 13 is the toughest place to defend and people go, oh, it's only one out from 12 and the reads you've got to have at 13 and then you've got to rely on your pace to be able to stay and go. And listen, Bundyaki is a brilliant 12. He's not a 13. And he will get targeted by Finn Russell if he plays at 13. And we don't know the extent of Ring Rose's injury. Obviously, Henshaw's out as well. Their vulnerabilities are, in reality... That 13 channel, yeah, because you're playing McCloskey and Bundyaki together in the centres, two very similar players, big lads. They can offload, they can ball play, but defensively you get shifted around and it's a whole different ball game. I don't think there'll be too much panic from from Ireland. And as Jim says, weirdly, I think Faz will say that. So it was a good test for us and you know it's good that we found out some issues that we've got and we've gone to the depth of our squad. But I just think they'll, dependent on Ringrose, if he's back fit and they're back on the money for... Scotland, uh, it's a different proposition. Well, if he isn't fit, that's the one. As in for Scotland, the way that they play on that edge, like you said, Goody, with Finn, with Duan van der Merwe, that space that he likes to go to. We saw the intercept at the weekend against France, but that is the space. If Bundyaki was playing there, Duan van der Merwe goes through or Hoggy goes through. How good of a job's Kieran Crowley done with that Italian team? Brilliant. Yeah, some of the young players. Lamaro, how good? Mate, there's this, like, this gladiatorial kind of feeling around him, isn't there? And we, you have that look. You've had that with Italian captains gone by, like Sergio Parisi, the Bergamasco brothers, Castro in the anthem, blowbags. No, he wasn't a good player. Um, the emotion that they wear on their sleeve, the way that he conducts himself, not just as a player, obviously as a captain, but the emotion, which is the Latino, Roman, gladiatorial spirit. I love it. Like I love the back row, the makeup with Lorenzo Canone and Seb Negri. Very good, as in, again, not just saying it, very good back row, very physical, get over the game line, nice mix between the breakdown with Lamaro, carrying with Negri, open play with Canone. Very, very good. Yeah, and Canone, for all our listeners, made more metres than Kaelin Mialdoris and Jack Conan combined, like ball carrying to the cow sheds and back. Against Ireland. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? With the opposition he was up against. It wasn't against England, is, what, is basically what you're saying, right? All Wales. <laughs> They looked better with Garbisi at 10, didn't they? They did. I'm going to be horrible here. Ignacio Brex, who has been brilliant for Italy. Mate, you got a four-on-one. Let's round it up to a six-on-one. And he goes <laughs> for the kick. Has Eddie Jones been coaching him or what? And then once he'd done that kick and knew he got it wrong, I think it was Rutzer It was livid with him. Yeah. And then he just went off the board. He dropped one off the back of that. And that is like the Italian of old. And again, I go back to it. Ignacio Brex has been one of their standout players in the centre and you talk about one-off opportunities like Scotland had against France with the line-out. Yeah. They score that. They are probably winning that game. 
Yeah. Mental. One chance, one opportunity. There's, lo- there's loads more, but it's that one opportunity. Yeah, and the crossfield kick, it wasn't even a... It was like a crossfield Gary Owen, let's boot it as hard as we can, as high as we can. Like, it was agricultural, wasn't it? Do you guys want to take a look at the Premiership? or? Well, you know, we've got three big games to talk about actually in the middle of the Six Nations. And I put a tweet out about this, Andy, right? I don't want to do a disservice because Northampton got a good win, Exeter got a good win against Sale, but I think it is mental that these games are happening. I know the URC ones are rescheduled because of the sickness bug that went around. Put it on a Friday night, put it on a Thursday, get people watching these internationals. So you can give a potential snapshot of where it is. The Premiership product's so good. We went through it last week in the fallow week. We'll go through it next week as well. But mental that it's on during the Six Nations. I just can't get my head around it. Yeah, I mean, the hard thing with it is the fact that there's a reduced amount of weekends this season because of the World Cups. They're trying to compress the season a little bit so the players finish at the end of May. So that gives them a, a long lag time into the World Cup. Obviously, next season as well, there's going to be a delayed premiership because of the World Cup. So there'll be potentially some crossover then. But you're dead right. At some point, where's the global calendar? Around the corner. <laughs> there we go. It's around the corner. But you're right. It's always happened. And, you know, it's a test of clubs and their strength and their squad strength. But with everything that's gone on financially, and there's two arguments. So clubs need the revenue over the Six Nations period. So they need bums on seats in stadiums, but they also need to align everything so that ultimately there's no crossover at some point. But, you know, we've been talking on this podcast about this for years, haven't we, Jim? Now you're at World Rugby. Can you fucking sort it out, Jim, or what? Or are you just content? I'm creative director. Creatively sort out the fixture list and the global season then. Look, lads, I can't even turn my laptop on. How am I going to sort out the admin <laughs> of putting together a spreadsheet of fixtures? Uh, in terms of the premiership, you know, big win for Leicester down at London Irish. The top four races is going to be brilliant. Exeter beat Sale in a very close game on Sunday. Poor Jack Noel had his face splattered absolutely everywhere across his face. Interestingly, in fair play to Gloucester, Northampton will, I think, if they don't make the top four or if Gloucester make it instead of them, they'll look back at that game because Northampton were absolutely pulling Gloucester's pants down. And Gloucester scored, I think, something like 19 points in the last five minutes to get a losing bonus point and an attacking bonus point. So when you're looking at the Premiership, that's big for Gloucester. That race to the top four now, even Bristol getting a victory, an ugly victory down at Bath on Friday night. Sale are pretty comfortable, I think. Saracen's obviously going to make the top four, but the race for third, fourth, and even, you know, you're going down to the race to eighth to make Champions Cup next year. Very, very interesting. And then the URC, I mentioned the lads who got the shits. We spoke about it before yeah. with the Ulster lads going down there. But Ulster, big win down in Natal at the Sharks. Massive win. I was messaging John Cooney in the week, actually, Jim. He's Irish again now, is he? Yeah, I think so. I think so. But he got man of the match. And tell the factor 50 that for those poor Ulster lads in about 35 degrees of heat, sweating like you wouldn't believe. The pinkness on their faces after the games. But credit to them. Big win. Big shout out to Ulster boys. Because a few weeks ago, Jim, you were writing them off. Horrible bloke. Well, if Kitsoff, hey, if Kitsoff don't need to put the sudden cream on, then <laughs> no one does. So, yeah, fair play to Ulster. And then Glasgow lost their first game in a long time against the Lions. The Scottish bubble has burst. All right, Andy Rowe. Mate, all right. We're in New Zealand. <laughs> Let's finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly. Well, you mentioned New Zealand then, Jim. Let's start off with the good. And we're going to mention the Chiefs, Andy Rowe. 
because they absolutely pulled the Crusaders' pants down, 31 points to he 10. He watched it. In Canterbury. Who wants Scott Robertson as their coach? Sam Kane. Outstanding. All Blacks captain. Good to see him back out there. There you go. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that, Andy Rowe. No one cares. We'll carry on with the good. We're going to go with Lorenzo Canone and Italy's performance. Even though they lost, you've got to give Italy a massive shout out, especially Canone. He made more metres than Caelan Doris and Jack Conan combined. So big shout out to him. Some other good news, Jim. Our mate. Your mate, our mate, John Dobson. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, I did message him. Did you congratulate him on winning the URC last season? I, I just sent him that gif, you know, with the money just flying <laughs> out the bank machine. Yeah, big news for John Dobson. Congratulations signing. I think it's a four-year deal, isn't it? So many millions of rand going into his bank account over the next few years. So uh, good news for them. He's done a great job and long may that continue. What else is good? Premiership wins for Saracens, Exeter, Tigers, Bristols and Saints. And just 20 points separated the teams across the five matches. So it shows how tight the Prem is. All five games came in with a seven-point or less deficit. So uh, some entertaining rugby in the Premiership. What else is good? Ollie Lawrence and Freddie Stewart thought were outstanding for England. Carl Sinclair as well. He banished the demons of 2019 when he lost his head a little bit. So big shout-out to a few of those boys playing for England. Mac Hansen and Hugo Keenan for Ireland were outstanding. They march on towards their Grand Slam in a bitty game, but some big performances from Mac. Fuck, Hansen. But the good this week is going to go to a friend of the show. We've had him on the show. He's got a very nice English accent. He played exceptionally well, I thought, for Scotland. Uh, Hugh Jones gets the good this week. Six defenders beaten, two tries. He was imperative in how Scotland attacked. Finn's magic as well came to the fore. Scotland, it's their best ever performance. Plucky in defeat, though, Jim. Plucky in defeat. But I thought Hugh Jones was outstanding, so he gets the good this week. Yeah, yeah. The bad, few bits of bad. Andy Rowe, we're going to start off with your Crusaders. Oh. Yeah, we don't often get a chance to put them in the bad, but opening Super Rugby game, and they got absolutely spanked 31 points to 10 at home to the Chiefs. How good are the Chiefs now? Gats has gone. Why are you being horrible, Jim? <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> Why are you being horrible, Jim? Andy Rose, you're jumping on the bandwagon as well. Wales, it's been a tough week for them, and they've been poor both on the field and off the field with everything that's gone on. I just didn't think they showed very much in an emotionally charged fixture that they should have shown a lot more in. Gats, you need to evolve the team and play in a way that's going to challenge defences. So that gets a mention of the bad. Racing, get a mention of the bad this week. No Finn. And they had their pants pulled down 45 points to 11 at Leon. Who takes 45 points in Leon, Jim? Not me. I'm just thinking back through the archives. I haven't rassined it. Yeah, just rassing. So that gets mentioned in the bad. Cast get mentioned in the bad as well. They sacked their coach in the week and replaced him with Jeremy Davidson. AKA Buzz Lightyear. He's back. Yeah, but he got sacked by Breve earlier in the season for, for being pretty bad as he well. He was a cast before, weren't he? Yeah. Jeremy Davidson took on his first game. They lost 41-10 at Bayonne. So uh, pants. Close. Around your ankles, boys. Yeah, uh, that gets mentioned the bad. What else was bad? Owen Farrell's goal kicking. We mentioned it earlier, 33% at the weekend and 56% in the Six Nations. So work to do, but uh, we know he's a class goal kicker, so he'll bounce back. The Highlanders, what's going on with New Zealand teams? Mm. They took 60 points at home, Jim. I, I actually, don't, don't, actually, I've taken 60 points. <laughs> <laughs> Just once. Yeah, there you go. Against the Mighty Wasp, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Correct, Andrew. Yeah, we know you know that. Yeah, not so mighty anymore. Anyway, yeah, the Highlanders took 60 points at home to the Blues, but the bad this week goes to Bath. I thought they were shocking on Friday night against Bristol. You expect a big rivalry to bring the best out of players. They're bottom of the league. They were awful, basically because they didn't have Ollie Lawrence again. So uh, Finn's going there next year. Jeez, what a difference he could make. But Bath, they're going to get the bad this week. Ugly. 
Three bits of ugly to report this weekend. Two of them in one game, as we know. Greg Peterson gets a mention in the ugly this week. He got red carded for a shoulder to the heed in Newcastle's defeat at Saracens. And then two bits of ugly from the Scotland against France game. Grant Gilchrist's shoulder to the head. Definitely a red card. Anyone that thinks it's not is crazy. You're going in with a tucked arm. That was Jim Hamilton-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. It was. The first one was close as well. When we watched it live, we thought it was an unbelievable tackle. I looked it back and that one was as marginal as yeah, well. Yeah. But the ugly this week goes to Mohamed Hawass. How's that? How's that? <laughs> an absolute muppet. Throws his head into the head of Ben White. 100% a red card. And then he shakes his head. He's like, moi? Pour moi? No, no, no. Surprised. He's got a bad record against Scotland. Two red cards. He whacked Jamie Ritchie in the face a few years ago, didn't he, with his with a punch, and this time he's headbutted Ben White. So for that reason, Mohamed Hawass, you get the ugly. How's that? Thanks, Scooty. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yes, we've got a few shout-outs, and we've got a big shout-out to Coach Brown and Graham Klusner and the Danish men's sevens team. I should have went back there and said Graham Klusner, but it's a big shout-out for the boys in the programme. They all love the rugby pod, and they need to keep putting in the hard work, and good luck getting the funding that you need. Get in touch if you want to support them. Klusner. Yeah, massive shout-out for a fundraising event happening on the 1st of April this year. You may remember the horrific events that happened in London when Jack Merritt was murdered at Fishmongers Hall. Jack loved his rugby when he was at uni and his mates set up a fitting tribute to him. The memorial game is in aid of Just For Kids Law, which is a charity that Jack supported. So just search Eventbrite for Jack Merritt Memorial Match and uh, see what you can support with that, please. Huge shout out for that one. We've got another charity game. It's on the 12th of March too, and it's in honour of David Hill, who unfortunately died in the Scottish Parliament versus Irish Parliament game in Dublin in 2022. The game is at Peffer Mill on the 12th between the parliaments and it's in aid of cardiac risk in the young. Yeah, and one final shout out as well to the lads from Stratford-upon-Avon RFC. Eight of them, after playing a league game at Worcester, walked back to Stratford, which is 26 miles, to raise money for Katie Pritchard, who's 37 years of age with two young children who has terminal cancer. And the only hope is a new treatment that is only available if you pay for it. So they're trying to raise 200 grand. And so far, they've managed 135 grand. Her three older brothers all played for Stratford and the family are staunch supporters. So help them out if you can. And a massive shout out to all the lads from walking back and raising as much money as possible. And good luck to Katie. Hopefully you get the treatment you deserve. A few sad ones this week, isn't it? But mixed in with positivity of people doing amazing things. So good on you. We like the shout outs, don't we, Goody? We certainly do. Thanks, Scooty. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you've subscribed on Spotify. Hello, boy, Andy Rowe. Rugby spot. Spot a pod, 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 pod. (laughs) 